Almost a week ago, I posted a very scientific poll on Twitter. The question was simple. Have the Carolina Hurricanes met expectations so far this season? And 99% of you say yes. The Carolina Hurricanes are currently meeting expectations. And 1% of you did not read the question. So, the question again was... Have the Carolina Hurricanes met expectations so far this season? So far this season. 415 people voted, 1% voted no, and it just so happened that I had four responses, four replies to the tweet that said, of course they haven't met expectations yet, they have to win the cup. First of all, so far means so far, they can't win the cup yet, so your logic is dumb. But we'll get to all that. There was the other very easy question to answer before we actually get into the meat and potatoes of the show is what player has made it possible? What player has outperformed where we thought they would be? What player deserves the mid-season MVP award? And again, very simple question. Another incredibly scientific, peer-reviewed poll on Twitter shows that 57% of fans, well, of the 361 fans who voted, believe it's Martin Natchez. The closest competitor is Sebastian Ajo, 20 points below him at 37%. So, you know, is this going to be the whole episode, Colin? No, of course not. I haven't even played the intro. But the meat and potatoes of this episode is, what are the actual expectations for this team for the full season? They have 31 games left. What do we, what do we expect of them? What do we expect of them in the postseason? And then, what can we learn from the season so far? They've played 51 games, guys. There was a lot of things we've learned. And some of them are surprising, some of them are not. And we'll get into all of that after the intro. 9,393 days of frustration. And on the 9394th day of NHL existence, Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. And we're back. So, if, when you're hearing this Wednesday morning, we are just days away from the Carolina Hurricanes returning to play on Saturday. Quick side note before we get into everything. There will be a Saturday episode, of course. It's going to focus heavily on the stadium series. I will have a special guest. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned. Also, review the show, share it with friends, subscribe if you haven't already. But, before anything, I want to talk about a handful of players that have had mentionable seasons. <laughs> mentionable seasons. I'm going to start first with Andrei Svechnikov. And I know what you're going to say. How is Andrei Svechnikov having a memorable season? He hasn't even scored in his last 15 games. And you know what? Yeah, that's, that's real. That's, that's real. So the last time he scored 
was in 2022. That's right. Andrei Svechnikov has not scored in the Euro Volor 2023. It has not happened. The last time he scored was December 30th against the Florida Panthers. And that is highly unfortunate. But I am not concerned. I still think that Andrei Svechnikov will have a career year. So at this moment, not having scored a goal since last year, Andrei Svechnikov is still on track to have a career season. His current career season in 2021, he had 30 goals, 31 assists for a total of, wait for it, it's a nice number, 69 points. He is currently on track to have 30 goals, 37 assists for a total of 67 points. I know what you're saying, but Colin, that's less than his career year. That means he's not going to have a career year. And I'm guessing here, Andrei Svechnikov will start scoring again. That's kind of what he does. And when he does, his average will go back up to his actual average, not the one that's currently being brought down by his 15-game goalless streak. So, just putting it out there, the same person, the same kid who earlier this season scored his first regular season hat-trick against the Edmonton Oilers, and then did it again the very next time he played them, maybe, maybe he deserves for us to cut him a break. He shot right on rebound, Svechnikov, Campbell makes the save, the new score! Here come the Hats! Andre Svechnikov! Two goals against, two games against the Oilers, six goals! But let's not get stuck on the haters, because we can agree that Andre Svechnikov, along with one of his linemates, one Martin Natchez, together have tremendously helped the Hurricanes get to be the second best team in the NHL and the team that is currently in command of the Metropolitan Division. And since I mentioned his name, we might as well speak about Mr. Natchez. Marty Party. I, I realize different Marty, but I'm going with it on this one because I'm having a great time with him. He's already having a career year. In 51 games played, he's had 21 goals, 26 assists for 47 points. He's almost a pointy game player. He's projected to have 33 goals, 40-something assists for 75 points. I know us as Hurricanes fans are here. We're on the Martin Natchez bandwagon. There was a train, we, got, we have meetings, there's newsletters, the fan club has jackets, like, we are here for it. And, I don't know, it's, it's a nice time, guys. And I, I want to take everyone back. I want to take everyone back to his exit interview from last season. So, to put everyone back in their headspace, the Carolina Hurricanes had just lost at home to the New York Rangers. Winger Martin Natchez had a, let's put it in a polite way, not great season. A bad season for it to be a contract year. And his exit interview created a lot of conjecture 
conjecture about his long-term future with the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm going to play some snippets for you, then we'll come back and talk about it. Because I think this exit interview will teach you a lot about what has happened this season and what will happen going forward for more teenagers. It's going to be kind of between me and Rowdy. We got to trust each other a little more. And, uh, you know, I got to I got to show him that, you know, I can I can play in those, you know, uh, in those minutes where it, where it, when it really matters. And uh, that's uh, when I would love to play. And uh, no, it was it was tough. I was going in the lineup like up and down. But but, uh, you know, I had my chances, but it was just hard for me to get going No. I think everybody knows that I'm kind of like pass first mentality, but but uh, you know I can definitely be a goal scorer as well. But it just uh, it's hard for me to um, say what did I wrong. But you know just overall I gotta be way better at everything at those little things and uh, definitely be scoring more. Where to start? Where to start? Where to start? Dude, dude. I love. Absolutely loved Martin Aitchis's exit interview last season. You can go back and roll the tape because all the episodes are still there. I didn't think we should trade him. Did not think that was a thing. I did not know what was going on. I'll say that. But I never thought we should trade him. And there was so much in that. And it's a very condensed version of what he said, obviously. Uh, You maybe heard a minute. And the whole thing was like seven minutes. He also went on to talk about how uh, he's a natural sinner. And then we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. But the first clip you heard was him saying, Rod and I just need to trust each other more. He had just left an exit interview with Rod. While I'm sure there was a lot of like, hey man, you got to do better. And then Martin H was just like, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm not in the right situations. And Rod was like, I can't put you in the good situations unless you perform well. And yeah. And they just internalized that. And then the second part you heard was that he definitely is someone who has a pass-forced mindset. He could be a goal scorer. He's going to work on it. And I, I, I don't know what it was. I do know what it was, actually. He worked his absolute butt off in the offseason. So, not everyone follows the players on social media. I do, because I do this. I like to keep tabs. You know, every once in a while, I break some news. Monty Natchez, through almost the entirety of the summer, maybe three weeks after the New York Rangers eliminated them from the playoffs, from there until he came back to Raleigh in September, he was posting all sorts of, like, hey, uh, you know, in the gym today. Look at these workouts I'm doing. Like, he was putting in the work and it is clearly paid off again he's already having a career year with 32 games i'm sorry 31 games left in the regular season and the reason i brought up and for some reason didn't pull the clip for martin is talking about how he's a natural center and he wanted to get to that role and you know rod doesn't really trust him there and rod still doesn't trust him there i would love to see martin H's be tried like through a full game as a center i thought we would see it in the preseason, we didn't. Um, I mean, Ajo was down for a little bit there. Kakanyemi has had his ups and downs. Stastny hasn't been there. 
So I thought we were going to see him earlier this season, and I, we just didn't. And from what I'm hearing, it's that Rod thinks he'll, he's going to score less as a centerman, which, I mean, you literally just heard the man himself say he has more of a pass-forced mindset. So I'm not going to say Rod's wrong on that. But I will say that Rod Brindamore has been giving him his chances at center. So far this season, Martin Natchez has taken 536 face-offs. He's not great at it. Uh, he, he wins them about 44% of the time. But that 536 face-offs so far this season is more than Martin Natchez has ever taken his entire NHL career times two. He's prior to this season, prior to this October, he'd only ever taken 250 face-offs his entire NHL career. He doubled that, more than doubled that already this season. His time on ice, because again, he has gained the trust of the head coach, is also the highest it has ever been with him at 19 minutes and one second. So, if you're one of these people who, there's a lot of them, don't get me wrong, who are wondering, what's going on with Martin Natchez? What caused this so-called breakout season? Hard work, dedication, and the ability to internalize the advice from his head coach. He sat in Rod's office after losing a very bitter Game 7. I was in the building for it. It was not fun. Being told, hey man, you gotta do better. Like you we will never get anywhere if that's if you're gonna continue this level of play until next season. You gotta put in the work. You gotta do the extra steps. We gotta be better. And Martin Ages could have just, you know, shrugged his shoulders, but he didn't. And that's why he's this season's breakout player. That's why. Because he put in the work. Because he listened to Rod and looked how it worked out. Career year. Speaking to someone else who's having an, a career year, or who's on track to have a career year, actually, Jordan Marnook went from being on the waivers, NHL waivers, I don't know why I said the waivers, that's not proper, anyways, to now proving a lot of fans wrong and showing others why they were correct for him to be his favorite. And we can start with his hat trick. Jay's shot doesn't get through. Now Martinuk will get to it. He'll score! Jordan Martinuk! Quick shot from the top of the circle. And in game 501, Jordan Martinuk puts Carolina in a tie game. 3-3 hockey game. Face off, stall. Wins it back for Burns. His shot doesn't get through. Hits a body in St. Louis to it. Tarasenko. Has the one arm in all the way through, and now Martinuk will come up with a loose puck. He's got to beat Letty. He's shot. He scores. Jordan Martinuk showing the wheels, the hustle, and his second goal of the game has put Carolina up 4-3. 19 seconds left here. Puck goes deep into the Canes corner, rides the rail. Burns will get to it. He'll try to clear it out. Martinuk all alone. He's going to get to the puck. Can he get the hat trick? Yes, he can. Hat trick. Jordan Martinuk. Normally, I wouldn't play all three goals. That was a little much by me. I apologize. But I am a fan of the underdog. I don't know if you could tell by me being a fan of a team 
that was very bad <laughs> for like a decade there. But I'm a big fan of the underdog. And Jordan Marnock, at 30 years old, is putting together a great underdog story. To be clear, the organization always loved Jordan Marnock. Rod Brennamore always loved Jordan Marnock. Marnock took a lot of flack this offseason. Some of it I'll include for me. I was wrong. I never said he should be traded. But I did see people's points about maybe it's time to give someone else that spot. Why hold back youth if Marnock can't get the job done? And John Marnock responded to those comments by having a career year. So, he has 25 points in 51 games. That is a career high. He is tied for his career high at 25. He did it in 2017 and his first year in Carolina in 2019. His 11 goals is also only four away from a career high with 31 games left in the season. And I've been thinking for a while, and it's come out, but I've been thinking for a while how crazy it is. This is all boiled down to one thing in Marnock's life. He's healthy. He has a clean bill of health. And I think that a lot of it also has to do with his new role on the Jordan Stahl line. But everyone I have spoken to has been like, yeah, he's just healthy. He was healthy to start the season, and this is what he's like when he's healthy. He's just this good. And that's so shocking to me, because again, he's been here since 2019. Monarch isn't some new player, and he's been battling something this whole time. Which also reminds you that you never know why a player isn't playing up to your expectations of their game. You never know what they're dealing with, what they are battling through. But, again, at 30 years of age, Jordan Marnock is playing more poor game than he ever has. His 15 minutes, 40 seconds of ice time is a career high. Again, at 30 years old, this man is doing it. He has never played above 12 minutes in his time as Carolina. He's only played above 15 minutes his last two seasons in Arizona. John Marnock, underdog season. If I was going to make a list of players who have turned up their intensity, leading to a better Hurricane squad, Marnock would be on it every single time. So would Sebastian Ajo, who's on pace for another career year, even with struggling line mates. Think of that. Think of how good Sebastian Ajo has been as of late. Even though Jarvis and Teravainen have been struggling. They have both made progress as of late. But I think that's more to do with Sebastian Ajo taking off than it is to do with them getting better. And it's incredible things. But also, it's a little expected from Sebastian. I fully believe that when Jordan Stahl decides to hang the skates up, hopefully not anytime soon, I think Sebastian Ajo will be the team's next captain. I know a lot of people think it's going to be Slavin. This is going to be a nice debate we get to have. I think it's going to be Sebastian. But 
moving away from players, I want to talk about special teams. Because our special teams have been a huge storyline so far in this, this season. And it's not been for good reasons. So, Carolina's penalty kill last season was amazeballs. Like, absolutely spectacular. Like, for a minute there, they were doing the impossible. The best way to set this up, this time last year, in February of last year, Carolina was over 95% on the penalty kill. I didn't stutter. I didn't just have a stroke and say a larger number. 95% on the penalty kill. That's amazing. That's unheard of, and it's stupid. It's not a realistic number. And, I mean, the lowest the team got at all last season was 82% in March. The team was not having a great time. They suffered on the penalty kill around the same time. I'm sorry, in the power play around the same time last season. But this year, it was surprising that the Carolina Hurricanes aren't bad on the penalty kill. Let's put that out there. They are still the best defensive-minded team in the league. But their penalty kill went from absolutely stupid good, like insanely good, like to the point where you're like, okay, this is starting to look like it's an EA game, and someone's playing an all-star team against an ECHL team. That's how good the penalty kill was. And this year, it's just been, eh, it's average. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just there. Now, as of late, the penalty kill has been stupid, but not in killing penalties, but rather collecting shorthanded goals. In the month of January, the Carolina Hurricanes had seven shorthanded goals, and in what, there were two games? Maybe one game this month. It's one or two. They have already collected another shorthanded goal. Now, they also seem to be committing penalties and the net's empty for some reason, which has led to more than a few of those. But more than enough of them have come just in the middle of a game. That it's, it's something to talk about. Carolina's power play this year has not been average. In fact, they would kill to have it be average. Carolina Hurricanes' power play this year has been downright garbage. In previous episodes, I have described it as a garbage fire. I have compared it to the tire fire in The Simpsons. That is just how bad our power play has been this year. So in the four full months of play we've had so far, October, November, December, and January, only one of those months was near acceptable. Not near good, but near acceptable. In December, the Hurricanes were able to convert on a quarter of their power play. Yeah. I mean, that's not amazing. That's Like, you can win a cup with a uh, converting on 25% of your power plays. You could win a cup like that. Your penalty kill blow better be good, but you could win a Stanley Cup on that. In October, it only converted 17% of the time. November, 16% of the time. January, 20% of the time. You cannot win a Stanley Cup. Actually, you could win a Stanley Cup. But they are not going to be high-scoring games. And they're probably going to be boring to watch for everyone, excluding Hurricanes fans. And the reason I bring up the power play is because 
I don't know how the expectation of Carolina having a good power play has been made. There's been a lot made this season about how they need to hire a power play specialist, which I don't necessarily disagree with, and that they need to fire Jeff Daniels, which I super disagree with, because that man doesn't run the power play, so that would just be stupid. But Carolina hasn't had a good power play for a while now, and there was this narrative created last year that they did, and that just wasn't true. In October, they had a decent power play of last season. They had a decent one, and then in November they had a terrible one, in December they had a great one, and then for the rest of the season, it was kind of whatever. It wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible, so we moved on. But because December was just insanely good, in December of last year, the power play converted 41% of the time, and that set the expectation, and it created a mindset for a lot of fans that our power play was good. It just isn't. And it just hasn't been. So I think it's time to either accept the fact that the Hurricanes don't have a good power play and just live with that. Or accept the fact that it won't change this year. Especially now with Max Pacioretty not being able to play. It's not going to change this year. I'm hoping, and we'll get to a little bit of this later, that Don Waddell will add someone who could help. But... I think it's just time to accept that Carolina's power play will never be Boston's power play or Washington's power play back when they were still good. We are not that team. That is not the mindset we play. You just have to accept that at this point. Really quickly, I want to touch on Brent Burns, but I don't want to touch on Brent Burns for anything stupid good or stupid bad. I am on record for thinking that Brett Burns did not look amazing when he first got here. And not in his play, he just, like, he was so out of his element with our system. And I even talked about this when I was on the Morning After podcast with Adam Gold. And I was really, really, really worried that Brent Burns wasn't going to find his footing within our system. And here's the thing. He still really hasn't. He's gotten better at a lot of things. And he's settling in more and more with his line mate the best defensive defenseman in the game, Jacob Slavin. But he's only played 51 games with him. And actually, he hasn't even done that because Slavin's been out. And that chemistry is going to come. But for now, he's going to keep making mistakes. He's going to keep underestimating his line mate. And he's going to not... Like, the, the great thing for Ben Bournes right now is he's able to take risks. But he doesn't take the right risks. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this. Like, the, the great thing for TDA last year, and Dougie Hamilton before that, is that they could make offensive, risky plays. And Jacob Slavin would be there to clean up their mess in case something went wrong. And Brent Barnes doesn't really do that. He doesn't try to convert on the risky plays offensively. In fact, sometimes he'll do risky plays defensively, which makes absolutely no sense when you're, again, paired with Jacob Slavin. But he's getting better. I don't think there's any reason to panic about it. I just wanted to note that. Because that's part of this season's expectations. I didn't expect him to be life-changing. I expected him to be slightly better offensively. And I wanted him to be better with Jacob Slavin. And she's not there yet. There's still time next season. Gangbusters. I'm putting my money down now. But for right now... It's just not there yet. And then finishing up the team expectations part. 
and then we'll I'll I'll talk about expectations going into the offseason, what I expect from them, and then touch on what I think Don Waddell needs to be doing. But I a hundred percent believe the Carolina Hurricanes will make a run for first in the league for the Presidents Trophy. And I know a lot of you just rolled your eyes, like Colin, like like come on man, like we get you're a homer, but like. You don't have to be Homer Simpson and be stupid. And I get that. But right now, the Carolina Hurricanes have caught fire. And this could change after the All-Star break. I don't expect it to, but it could. But they have caught fire. And the Boston Bruins are finally starting to come back down to earth. So, if right now the Hurricanes are calling the eight points behind Boston, I think they play one more time. If Carolina continues to put the pedal to the middle and just be crazy, they could honestly challenge Boston for first in the league, for the President's Trophy. Just putting that out there. Hot take me before anything else. But ending this season, what do we expect from the Carolina Hurricanes? At this point, they have to win the Metro. I'm also on record thinking that they didn't have to win the Metro this year, but you know now they're dominant, so if they take a slide, that's a bad thing, so they have to win. They have to make it at least to the Eastern Conference Finals. Eastern Conference Finals or bust should be this team's motto. And that's, I mean, for a lot of different reasons. First of all, the only time they've made the Eastern Conference Finals under Rod Brindamore, now in his fifth season as head coach, was his fourth season when they had no business being there. They just caught magic in the bottle and ran with it, which is a very Hurricanes thing to do in the past. The, this court team doesn't need to be the underdog. In fact, they will never be the underdog. Even if they go against Boston this year, they won't be the underdog team. It will be two Goliaths facing off. And if Carolina wants to keep that Goliath status and not slide into being the avalanche of your past that couldn't get out of the second round, or the Maple Leafs since 2004 who haven't been able to get out of the first round, they have to at least get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Preferably, they win the Eastern Conference Finals, and then they go to the Finals. That would be awesome. And then if they're at the Finals, you might as well, you know, win that too. But let's not put the court before the horse. One last thing, just to settle everything up here, tie everything in a nice little bow, before we uh, take almost a whole another week off from actual hockey news. I need Don Waddell to make this move soon. There is no one denying that the Carolina Hurricanes will make some type of trade. So why haven't we done it? (laughs) And I realize it takes time. But preferably, we'll get someone... Well, I I don't think there's going to be one trade, if I'm going to be honest. There's a couple things that Don Waddell needs to address. If you follow me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, you would have seen that I wrote a whole article about it on the Substack. It's linked down below. What Don Waddell has to do at the trade deadline. He has to add more defensive depth. Dylan Coughlin isn't it. Max Lejao could be it, but not yet. Chatfield, Chatfield's fine. But God forbid, Chatfield, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, Brent Burns, or Jacob Slavin go down in a potential Stanley Cup Finals. We'll take it even further. It's Game 7, Stanley Cup Finals, Quadruple overtime. I don't know. Whatever. Add some crazy high number. 
do you really want Dylan Coughlin jumping over those boards? I don't think so. I don't even think I would want Calvin DeHaan, who's been playing fine, but I don't know how effective he can be on a deep playoff run because of his age, because of his vulnerabilities. You have to add some type of defensive depth. And then you desperately need to replace Max Pacioretty's production. And the Hurricanes have scored more as of late. I'm not sold that it's the long-term trend, so you still need to find someone to replace Max Pacioretty. Preferably someone who would help the power play as a whole. But again, I think we might just need to be okay with us either having an average power play or a slightly substandard power play. As always, thank you for listening to Home Ice Advantage. Follow the show if you haven't already. Review the show if you haven't already. Five stars, best friends, pretty, pretty please. It really helps the show grow. Share it with all of your friends. Share it with that weird guy that you see in your neighborhood or you don't really know his name. Yeah, I wish you could talk to him. Show him my podcast. Would appreciate it. We'll be back on Wednesday. It's going to be a banger of an episode. And until then, until the Carolina Hurricanes take on the New York Rangers, go Kings.